Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Church Public. I'm glad you joined us today. We have a great episode planned. Get ready, get set, and let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Church Public. I'm glad you joined us today. We have a lot going on in the world around us, and we continue at Church Public to find that intersection in between faith and culture and to help you navigate that, to help you work through that difference, maybe even to give you some resources to know what to say when you have these conversations. These conversations are important. These conversations are the thing that drive our culture forward and help us with morals, with culture, with society. They help us with our relationships. The previous episode is all about how debates are not happening, and all we're doing is shouting at each other and getting angry. You can go back and listen to that, and I think that's important for us to understand as we go forward into this dialogue, as we go forward into this conversation. And instead of hating one another, instead of getting mad at one another, yelling at one another, instead of throwing things We should be talking more and being open and honest and listening to one another. These are important things. So one of the things that keeps coming up over and over again is this idea, this concept of socialism. You heard it in the presidential debates. You've probably heard it on all of the news channels at some point. You heard it in some form from people like Bernie Sanders. Biden has talked about it. Uh, It seems like everyone is talking about socialism. So I just wanted to take a few minutes and talk about socialism and remind us what it is, what it isn't, and what it can and can't do. I think it's important for us as believers, as followers of Jesus, as Christians, to understand what these different forms are so that we can think about them intelligently, come up with our own ideas, and then express those in conversation. So, I'm going to start actually with the last episode. We looked at this study from the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University that overall, 6% of people only 6% of people in America in all age ranges believe in a biblical worldview. That's the largest demographic. And in the largest generation, which is the millennial generation, 18 to 36 or so, the largest generation actually in the history of the world, this millennial generation, they, according to the study, now only have a 2% worldview of, of biblical ideas. These biblical ideas are things like absolute truths exist. They don't believe that. The Bible defines this truth. They don't believe that. That Jesus lived a sinless life and therefore could be the sacrifice that connects us back to God. That God is the creator of the universe and even now continues to be involved in his creation, like you and me. That salvation is a gift from God that cannot be earned but is this idea of mercy and grace, again, that we talked about on the last episode. Go back and check that out. And that Satan is real. And there's a bunch of other things as well, but those are the basics of biblical worldviews. You can go back and check that out at churchpublic.com. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at churchpublic. Go and like uh, those posts and send a message, a DM if you want. And as always, please do like and subscribe to this podcast uh, wherever you get podcasts. So back to socialism. As we've heard that not only in the millennial generation, but in all generations at this point, biblical worldview has taken a sharp dis- decline. At least half of the people, again, 
from the 90s don't believe in these values. So what does that mean for us? Well, it means what I talked about last time is this foundation, this foundation of truth. That's one of the bigger things in this biblical worldview, that there is a truth and that this truth informs what we do, who we are, what we believe, how we act. So if there is no truth, then we have to find something else to base our lives on and our meaning on. And so you see that search for meaning. I believe as humanity and many philosophers, psychologists, sociologists believe that we need some kind of meaning. We can't just exist on our own in ourselves. There are some outliers that say some of those philosophies, but I'll I'll not talk about those right now. So by and large, people believe that there should be some meaning to your life and that meaning can drive you forward. Well, we are losing this idea of meaning outside of ourselves, which means that we're turning into ourselves, and that, with the addition of social media, has created this epidemic in narcissism, that we, that you, that I, that uh, all uh, the individuals in this generation are narcissistic. They're the center of their universe, and they get it re-fulfilled every day when you post something on social media, for instance, and then you get the likes that affirms both psychologically, we're, we're seeing in all these studies too, that there's even chemical and brain function that respond to this stimulus that are conditioning us to believe that we're the center of the universe. Which is why, so you see both things, that you see this idea that I'm going to put my opinion out there and it is the truth. You hear your truth, right? And you do you, like that you have the only truth. Also, that that goes inward then when I don't get the likes, when I don't get the satisfaction, when I don't get someone responding that I am good because of what I have posted, you go into this dark depression, you think you are meaningless. Because again, there's no foundation. There's nothing to grab onto, to sink your teeth into, to plant yourself on. I, I, I walk the tide pools sometimes. And when there are waves and you're walking the tide pool, maybe you've experienced this. You can walk on the tide pool and it's dry and it's great and you're just walking around. And maybe it's a little bit slippery, but it's fine. There's just a tiny little bit of water and you're walking. But then all of a sudden a wave comes and this wave hits your legs. And I, I mean, I can't tell you how many people I've seen just get swept out. And it's a, it may only be six inches of water from the wave, but it doesn't matter because you're on a little bit slippery ground, you're not really paying attention, and all of a sudden this wave comes, whoosh, and you're out. That's what's happening. These waves of ideology come and just sweep your feet right out from under you, and then you're floundering and trying to figure out, oh my gosh, what happened? Socialism is one of these things, I believe. Socialism is one of these ideas, it's one of these philosophies, and actually what socialism really is, is an economy. I'm going to talk about more of that in a second, but It's one of these things that has come along in the last couple hundred years that sounds really good, and I'll explain why. So when we talk about these studies, one of the things this study showed is that the millennial generation especially is much more open to socialism, and that totally makes sense because when the academic institution from grade school through college is teaching that America is a place of hatred, of oppression, there has to be something else, right? And you, and you feel this sense of justice because where else are you going to get justice from? So I have to find something that is not American, that is not capitalism like America is using to make this world a better place. And so what happens is this great shining uh, sun opens up in the heavens and the clouds part and this unicorn rides down a rainbow and says, check out socialism. It sounds amazing. 
Because what does it do? Socialism says, I'm going to uh, help the poor. I'm going to help the needy. I'm going to help the oppressed. I'm going to give everyone the same, uh, the same outcome so that no one is living in an unjust way. And I'm going to allow peace because then once everything is the same and the ground is level uh, after the outcome, then everyone is happy and everyone gets along with one another. And again, unicorns and rainbows, everybody's great. And that sounds amazing because it feels good. And, and we need the feels, right? Feels are important. Socialism feels good because you can give the impression or have the feeling of helping a hurting world and you don't even have to leave your couch. You can support someone like Bernie Sanders and he tells you he will end hunger and give free healthcare and help the poor communities and all you have to do is give him your money and support. So you don't really have to do anything. You can say, yes, you go and fix all of the problems that I feel are bad. And again, to drive home this parallel, people that are selling and supporting socialism have a really easy job because they're saying things like, Help the poor, heal the sick, comfort the hurting. You know what that sounds like? You know what familiar thing that sounds like? The way Jesus talked. He told his followers to help the poor, heal the sick, comfort the hurting. So it's a super easy, if you have a little bit of Bible and you have a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of understanding, it sounds like socialism fulfills the gospel. That sounds great. And a lot of people get pulled into this place where obviously we should be socialist because we help the poor, we heal the sick, we comfort the hurting. Who doesn't want to do that? Of course, we all want to do that. The only problem is it doesn't work. So this is where socialism at its premise is not an ideology, it's an economy. Here, here's what I mean by economy, and I, I don't want to get too technical, but socialism says that it will provide economically the same outcome to all people. Uh, and Karl Marx, in fact, when, when he wrote about socialism, um, he wrote about the economy of class, that there shouldn't be a rich and a poor. Everyone should have the same outcome of pay. Now, I recognize that the new socialism that we're talking about is not just about pay. It's about equal outcome in all situations, equal outcome in race, equal outcome in gender, equal outcome in sexuality, equal outcome in every area. But for now, you can extrapolate that. We're just going to talk about the economy part because it's easier to understand. So when you talk about equal outcome of economy, an example would be, hey, NBA players make millions of dollars and teachers make $20,000. Again, random examples, not, not, not to scale, right? In the economy of socialism, you would say, no, they have to make the same amount of money. And then you go, whoa, wait, hey, wait. NBA player should make more money. Okay, but that's not what socialism says. Socialism says the outcome has to be the same regardless of what you put into it. Now, do you start seeing the problem? Well, but me, I am never going to be an NBA player. I'm not tall enough. I'm not skilled enough. I also don't understand sports enough. Those are side issues. But you get the point that like, I shouldn't be paid as an NBA player because... I'm never going to be an NBA player. But why should they not get paid for the work and the skill that they're doing? Most people would think, well, they, they should. Um, but in socialism, that's not the equality of outcome that you want. And then it devolves because 
how do you get to equality of outcome? And there is no way to do that other than for some agency, be it government or other, to make you have the same outcome. Because an NBA player on his own, who's making millions of dollars, is not necessarily going to say to the teacher and all of the teachers, and I mean, scale it out as many people as it would take to even out the millions of dollars versus tens of thousands of dollars. He's not going to say, well, I will give you enough money so that we equal this out. Most people are not going to willingly do that. Some may be altruistic and some may be nice enough to do that, but most people are just not going to do that. So some agency, like the government, has to make you do that or regulate ahead of time that doesn't matter what you do, you're only going to make $50,000. You can play in the NBA, you can be a teacher, you can be a garbage worker, everybody, $50,000. Again, I'm making up numbers, but you get the idea. So then why would you want to do something else. Now, contrast that to America and these ideals that it has, like life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Let's focus on pursuit for a moment. If you level the playing field ahead of time, not the outcome, but the, the starting point, if you level that playing field and say, hey, let's focus on what you do to do better. So if you're initial starting point is as flat as possible. Now I know in America, there have been times where it's not equal opportunity at the beginning, but those are things we've been trying to fix for a couple of hundred years. So again, just take that as it is and, and say that you can do what you are willing to do. So that's why I like this idea of let's talk about pursuit. If you have a beginning point that is about the same, and now you're allowed to pursue whatever you want to pursue and put as much effort into it as you want to put into it. Maybe if you are born into a single family home and you're poor, but you're really good at basketball, you could keep playing basketball and you could play basketball in high school and you could get a college scholarship and you play college basketball and then you get drafted to the NBA and then you're making those millions of dollars playing basketball coming from nothing and then being a millionaire or a multimillionaire because you pursued something that you wanted to do. That, in fact, is capitalism. That is that you have an opportunity to work as hard as you want to work. And again, I don't know much about sports, but I know uh, people like Kobe, um, Michael Jordan, I know they've said things like they worked really, really hard, relentlessly practicing to get to be the best that they could be. And that's the pursuit, right? You have the ability to pursue whatever you want to pursue, which is in opposition to this idea that is proposed by socialism, where you sit there and the government does for you what they think they should do. You get off the couch and you do whatever you feel like you should do, and you do it the best of your ability. And the outcome is yours. It was your responsibility to get to the outcome, and it is your hard work that gets you to that outcome. America is founded on this ideal that you have life and liberty, freedom to pursue happiness, to work as hard as you want to work. Socialism is the opposite of that. Only the leaders of socialism can approve your ideas and your earnings must be distributed to those that do not pursue a goal. Now, again, 
in socialism now, in this new form of socialism, there are other things where we get into ideological to group uh, think and, and group things. And that gets way more complicated. And I don't want to get into that right now. But but it's important to understand that this idea of socialism is not as good for you as you think it is, and it's definitely not as good for the society as you think it is. And if you point to places like you know, Sweden or Denmark, they're not really socialized countries. They're capitalistic countries that have some socialized elements in them. But the socialism only works to some degree because of the way that the capitalism financially supports it. Their tax rates are really high for individuals. So they take that money from you in a different way and then they give it to those that they feel need it. In truth, socialism, because it is an economy, not an ideology, what it really leads to is something like communism, where the state, the party in Russia, is in charge of everything. And you see this more in countries like China, Cuba, Venezuela. Now, you can see it in communist Russia previously. And, and there are many examples of how this escalates because it can't be an end in itself. It has to lead to this other thing where some agency, again, some government or, or party controls what your outcome is because freedom is this ability to work as hard as I can to get as far as I can. That can also be bad because you don't want to run over other people. So capitalism, when left to its endpoint, can be destructive and greedy. But when it is reined in and found in this middle place of, I'm going to do the best that I can do and elevate not only myself, but those around me with a moralistic outcome, that can be good for cities, states, countries, etc. But socialism, on the other hand, I mean, look at some of the news in Venezuela, look at some of the news in communist China, where the oppression is out of control. You cannot say what you want to say, you cannot do what you want to do, you cannot earn what you think you should earn. These things are not possible in the system, because, because there is no freedom to advance into where you are into beyond where the government places you right so that's just a really quick primer on socialism and it, that's how socialism sounds it sounds so good because it sounds like it fulfills the gospel but the reality is it doesn't fulfill the gospel you are supposed to fill the gospel jesus tells us through the writer matthew you are to go out to judea jerusalem Samaria, right, to your city, to your state, to the country, to the ends of the world, to tell others the good news of life in Christ. You are supposed to care about the widows and the orphans, and you are supposed to do something about it. Socialism cuts out the middle. It cuts you out of the gospel, and that's why it's wrong. It cannot be right to let the government, an agency, to do the work that you're supposed to do. Yeah, it's always easier to let someone else do the work, but it's not better, Believe it or not, we humans are called to work, and work is good. Work gives us purpose and meaning. It gives us fulfillment. When we line all of this up, when we do what we were made to do by serving the poor, by serving the unfortunate, when we speak the truth in love, when we show grace, when we give mercy instead of condemnation, 
when we love others in the way that Christ loved us and we, he laid down his life for us and when we give our lives for others, we ourselves are actually fulfilled. You may have heard it's much better to give than to receive and this is entirely true. Socialism does the opposite. It takes what it doesn't have to fulfill a goal that it believes is true. The gospel gives what you have to help those that don't have. That's what your place in this whole thing is. We don't give away our responsibility to help others. We take the responsibility to go out and help others. So what are you going to do today to help someone else in need? I really appreciate you listening. I really appreciate you being part of this community. Please do remember to like and share. Check us out on social media. God bless. And as always, keep the faith. Thanks for listening, everybody. I really appreciate you tuning in. Go ahead and like and subscribe. Check us out on churchpublic.com. You can check us out on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook at Church Public. Look forward to hearing from you. God bless. Keep the faith.